0: Alright, technical glitches. Hey, 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 it's, uh, Daishihan Miller. I think it's me. It was me when I looked in the mirror this morning. Anyway, Daishihan Miller here, and we're here with, uh, this week's episode of Kuden, right? The podcast for you, the serious martial artist, ninjutsu practitioner, Grand Poobah, and, uh, I don't know, whatever else you're doing, right? So anyway, um, episode 120. Man, we're just kicking butt, right? Moving right along. So, uh, what I wanted to do was, um Continue on with this idea of giving you, uh, specifics, right? Specifics. Because most of the folks that contact me, uh, are solo training students or wannabe, right? Uh, no dojo in their area, no teacher close enough, whatever, right? The best they've got is maybe going, uh, for seminars, those kind of things, right? So, fix myself here. I look a little disheveled. It's my OCD, right? Anyway, uh, so, What I did, what I wanted to do for this uh, episode, by the time we're done here, uh, I'm going to give you uh, seven areas, right? Seven things to get organized as a solo student uh, to be successful, right, with your training. And, you know, if you're in ninjutsu, you're in our realm, uh, you know, great. Uh, But this is for anything, right? I mean, you could be in some other martial art, self-defense. Uh, home learning of any type. I mean, you could be in one of these online universities. My wife's a professor for uh University of Phoenix online, right? So, um and she gets complaints from students all the time that, you know, they just don't understand, right? Because they've got a job and family and, and they're trying to go to school. And yeah, my wife too, right? Um, besides teaching for University of Phoenix, right? Full-time job at a hospital, another part-time job at a different hospital. And she got her doctorate and she, like the week after, enrolled herself into two Master's degree programs because you know she had nothing else to do besides hang out with me. So (laughs) uh, we're both the same way, right? So no, what we do is we make sure we schedule lots of time. But anyway, there's seven of those, and if we have time, um, we're going to dive into. I'm I'm going to give you those seven. We're going to focus on one of them, which I think is really 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 important, right? Uh, Setting up your home space. So by the time this episode is done, you'll have an idea about how to do that. And if we have time. Uh, I'll go into one aspect of that home space, um, but that's not the important one um, unless you're really into philosophy and symbology and you really want to ramp things up. But we'll see what kind of time we have. I know we tend to go a little bit long anyway, but, you know, um, uh, I just saw something on YouTube that uh people want shorter content and, you know, 10 to 15 minute videos are you know, that's pushing it. And well, I, I'm looking for people who want to be students, not people who want to be entertained. Um, by some dancing monkey um, in a in a pair of pajamas. right? So anyway, so let's go let's do this. I'm gonna go ahead and officially get this thing started with our normal intro, and then we'll come back and discuss solo training student uh, tips for success. So the big question is this: how are self-defense and success minded people like us? Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's it. <clears throat> You guys can go home. There's a, your short video for the night. No, anyway, all right. So um, uh, I, I know how our intro talks or speaks to uh, the self-defense realm, but the reality is, um, you know, to be absolutely blunt, right, um, it doesn't matter if that's what we want if we're not doing consistent training, right, if we're not setting things up in a way that we're regularly, right, daily, weekly, monthly moving forward toward that goal or to the next part of that goal, right? Because as I've always said, right, if you're walking, if you're on a journey, right, the horizon is a certain distance away, right? And and that's kind of how we look at the goal, right? We can't see beyond the horizon. So whatever we can see when we start off or at whatever point, you know, that's that's the goal, right? I want to get there because that's what I can see, right? Or I want to get where my teacher is. I had a student once who, um, when I, I talked to them about establishing kind of a goal, right, where, where, do you, where do you see your training in five years, ten years, whatever, right? She said, um, I want to be an eighth degree black belt. And I said, okay, um, how'd you settle on eight, right? And she goes, well, and this was much, much later on, right? And I said, how'd you settle on eight? And she goes, well, that was the rank that you were when um, when I was asked the question. Okay. Fair enough. Right. So that was where, you know, that was her target. But the reality is that was, we're moving along, right? The goal, if we're diligent, right, is getting closer. Right. And we can see things beyond it. That's like, you know, when we first start off, right. Um, as long as we're not being vague, like I want to train in Ninja I want to take karate classes. I want to do MMA. I want to do underwater basket weaving, whatever it is. Right. Um, as long as we're not vague like that, because we talked about that before, right I always want to do martial arts, well, shit, go take a class right take a free class someplace, and then you can be done because you have successfully trained in martial arts right well that's what i'm not what I meant Well, then be more specific, be more clear on the mandala, one of the key aspects of enlightenment is clarity, specificity, right um being accurate right um So anyway, but we start to see other things. So when we first start off, right, it might be, um, you know, just first-degree black belt, right? I want to become a black belt. Okay, great. Well, then as you learn more and more, you start to realize, oh, well, these other numbers, right? Now, this is not always true. It's not, right? But these other numbers, not just time and rank, not just I can do more complicated techniques, but I'm able to produce what kind of results? Oh, now that's freaking cool, right? For some people, they never make it that far. They they kind of stick with the, you know, black belt means guru kind of thing, which is a typical Western uh blanket kind of thing, right? But those things come in because as we're moving along, right, we see more and more. Or teachers make references to things that, you know, Shit, I didn't even know that existed, right? Let alone that I could, I could do that. Wow. Right? So, but anyway, right? But the, but the initial issue, right? The big problem that a lot of people don't discuss, right? Um, think about all, if you're on YouTube, right? Think about all of the, all of the, um, yeah, James, you and I know that this will change next week when somebody hears this episode, right? Okay. <laughs> I give away all my secrets and then people go and copy stuff, which is really funny. But they'll never be able to copy it the way I do it, even though we're in the same art, right? So anyway, but the point is, is that think about all the all the sites, all the pages, Facebook groups, whatever that you're a part of. And you see videos and lessons and whatnot. Right. Um, technique after technique after technique. You need to train with this. You need to do this. You got to be specific over here or whatever. Where the hell is the training to help you set things up in the beginning so that you have the best chance of success? And I don't mean like the Sanshin Kata or the Kionapo or that's just more techniques. Okay. Um, I had a discussion on one of our, um, uh, weekly coaching calls with my long distance guys, um, l- uh, this past week. Was it Tuesday, James? With Josh, right? Uh, Josh had a couple of questions. Um, one was about persistence, but one was about like the skill of fire building, right? And so the the situation was he was out camping with family and stuff like that, and a lot of the fuel, a lot of the wood and everything around was wet, right? And so you know he had a bic lighter with him and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, but he was just <clears throat> insistent on using his survival skill, his uh, survival skills, right, to get the fire going. Right. Which is great. Right. Except that his family was getting cold and hungry and uncomfortable and all that. Um, anyway, it, it all worked out. But um, he was talking about these things and, and you know, wanted some suggestions. And so, you know, I talked about what's in our curriculum. Right. We give you five different fire lighting methods. Right. That fit the Godai elements. Uh, we give you nine different fire structures because each structure um, has a specific purpose. Right. Could be concentrated flame for cooking, could be a big, broad flame for, you know, signaling or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, It could be uh, I need a a structure that allows for a natural windbreak so that, uh, you know, if it's a little bit windy or whatever, I don't cause a forest fire. But at the same time, gusts aren't putting out my fire. Uh, I could have uh, fuel could be sparse. Right. So there there's a structure that if I need to conserve, right? And and how to work things that way. So I keep this fire going, um, all that kind of stuff, right? So we're talking about this, right? And you know, we we dialogue back and forth. But one of the biggest things that came up is people watch me make you know, set up a fire, um, flint and steel, whatever, and it takes me maybe three to five strokes on one of those uh one of those uh, fire starters that you get for Boy Scouts or camping or whatever, or flint and steel or whatever, right? Um, and next thing you know, I've got a fire, right? Um, and so, you know, people are always amazed, right? Well, it's not amazed. The, the big thing that I do that most people don't, the biggest problem in fire building is people don't spend enough time with the setup right? With the setup, right? So they'll make, you know, prop a couple of sticks up and all that kind of stuff. And, and they'll get maybe some tinder or whatever, and they'll throw a spark or get the magnifying glass or whatever. And they get it and they put it in there and things will like light up and they'll go to try to feed it, but it burns out very, very quickly. And then they're at it again, or they've got this setup structure, kind of like a TP or whatever. Right. And like, it'll collapse because they're a little too rough. They, they, they're they not patient. Right. So Um, It'll collapse. And then what they do is they try to just they just let it be. And then they try to get it to start from there. Right. And, you know, it's this is not like being okay with the way you cleaned your room for the moment. Right. We're talking about survival fire building. We're talking about the difference between warmth, comfort, uh, scaring away possible predators, uh, eating. You know, hot food, sterilized or sanitized food, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So, but the big point was not enough time, right, is being spent with the setup so that when you get things going, you have the best chance, you know, you're not rushed for time, you're not, you know, whatever. And then you can, and you have a process, right? So, setup and guaranteed process, okay? Okay. So I spend a lot of time. And again, I know I'm talking about fire building at the moment. We're going to talk about setting up a home dojo uh, and and getting things set up for a solo student. But um, it's the same. Right. Um, I spend a lot of time collecting the different things. Right. I need a certain amount for Tinder. Right. That's what I'm going to spark off. Then my kindling. Right. Really, really small stuff that is going to light quickly. Right. We talked about, you know, he was out uh and it had rained for a while it wasn't raining then but most of the stuff was wet and I said you know every every environment has some vegetation that will burn green right in our region here um we have yellow pine and the sap is combustible right so it will burn right green right and it burns fast and it burns hot which is what we need right so I spent a lot of time collecting this stuff, right? Not just the big logs I'm going to put on afterwards, right? If I get things going well, get a log or two put in there, now I have time to go get more things to support that. What I need up front are all the things that are going to guarantee that I get a, I get a broad enough and hot enough central core flame that will then be able to light thicker, I mean, not thick. We don't put a whole freaking log on there, right? But thicker and bigger and bigger pieces of fuel, right? There's a process to it. It's proven. They've done it since the frickin' caveman days, right? But again, people want to rush through those things because they want to go from get the spark to catch to having a roaring fire without all the stuff in between, Right? So, but I think this is a great analogy for students that want to train, and they're constantly dealing with life issues or even their own, you know, inner things, right? Because, again, I think we covered this in a past episode. Everybody has three issues or one of three issues that is stopping them from getting what they want or stopping them from making the kind of progress that they want, right? Right. There's internal obstacles. Right. These are personality traits. Procrastination, piss poor time management. Uh, you know, I I am a yes man. So if people ask me for, you know, uh, things with my time and whatnot. I can't say no. This is not about them coming at me. That's external. Right. It's the internal thing where I feel guilty or crappy or whatever if I say no or I'm a bad person or whatever. Right. So there's internal blockages, right, the inability to focus, concentrate, right, Uh, lack of commitment, those kind of things. And I don't think a lot of people have lack of commitment, right? I think they have a hard time committing and persisting in the face of all the things that they allow into their realm, right? And so they're constantly running around fighting fires, right? No pun intended, but there it is, right? There's external things, right? That's those people, demands on your time, whatever, right? My work is killer, man. I'm, you know, uh, whatever. Da, 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 da. When was the last time you put in an application or submitted a, a CV or a resume to get out of that into something else that will pay the same or more? Well, there's nothing, uh, nothing out there. Holy shit! On this entire planet, in your entire realm, in your entire region, you've you've applied everywhere. See. Those kind of statements are cop outs. I know it. They know it. Right. Um, I've tried everything. Nobody tries everything. Okay. Um, but anyway, so um, there's, you know, not being able to control things, right. Spouse won't let me, we talked about these in, in, in other episodes, right. But same thing, right. So there's these external demands, right. And even with the best of intent, even with the best of persistence and all that kind of stuff, right. Unless changes are made, Right? No matter how much I try to hold them off, as long as, you know, if, if, if changes aren't made, then change isn't made, right? And then there's problems with the vehicle, right? Uh, on some level, perhaps they don't believe that the system is really what it is that they need, right? Or they're not relating to the art in a way where it has value outside of being a cool thing to know, right? That it's something that, damn it, I've got to get this. Or, you know, if bad things happen, bad things are really going to happen, right? So, um, and of course, all these things kind of feed back, right? You know, I don't believe in it or do I not believe in it, but I see all these aspects of the art. But then that feeds back to an internal thing where I don't believe that I could bring myself to do those things. Right. I don't like it. I, don't, You know, whatever. I don't believe in myself enough, which is why our student creed. Right. Leads off uh, with I believe in myself. I am confident I can accomplish my goals. Right. So anyway, right? Um, but this, this fire analogy was, was just this great, uh, great place to start, right? So, um, uh, I'm going to bring up some notes here again. Uh, was this like maybe two years ago, James, where I did that five day. I'm going to unmute James here because we're going to have a little chat, right? I did this five day, uh, ninjutsu mastery Kickstarter program. Do I have that? Let me, let me bring it up here. Uh, I'm on the Facebook group that we used right up here doo, 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 doo. I'm gonna read the the little uh, uh banner that we had for it to to promote it so yeah five day Nijutsu mastery kickstarter challenge and then the subhead is kickstart your way to earning the coveted black belt in Nijutsu with this intensive five day challenge okay james you're not you're not seeing my screen over there right I'm just reading things here. People should still be seeing me. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, let me get back over here onto my other page. Oh, there we go. So, um, James, you remember seeing some of the comments that came in, right? Um, I had, I had money set aside to, to promote the challenge, right? So that, you know, get a bunch of people in there. I didn't have to spend a dime (laughs) (laughs) on Facebook ads or anything. And why was that James?
1: (laughs) It was all the, All the uh, haters and detractors took care of that for you. gave you plenty of traffic to it.
0: Oh, It was was funny. What they don't understand is that the Facebook algorithm, right, if you like something, if you comment on it, if you dislike something, if you put hate comments or whatever, right, the algorithm is a stupid computer program. It just goes, oh, people must love this. Look at all the comments. Look at all the likes, dislikes, whatever. It's just measuring engagement, right? So... Um, 49% of the people that po- and there was no gray area, right? 49% of the people that posted were like, oh, this is great. Timing's not going to work out so well for me, but this is awesome. And they pass it off to, you know, share things, pass it off to their friends and whatnot. 51% of the people were just like James was, uh, was talking about, right. Um, to the point where like I had to keep looking at the banner and I'd have other people look at it as well. And what was my what was my question? Is this is this saying something that it's not that I'm missing? Right. right? And and what was the what, what were people trying to say that I was saying?
1: Trying to say at the end of five days, they would be a master of ninjutsu.
0: Yeah, there were people that, that, that were like, oh, my God, see, this guy is one of the problems out there. Like, you know, try convincing people are going to be a ninja master in five days. And so they're not even bothering to read it. Right, that's his confirmation bias. Right, people think that they're already all you know, uh, shit and all that. Right, so as soon as they see something that might threaten that that image or that ego or whatever, right, they're automatically going to jump on it. Okay, now you know what? Um, Did we did we do an episode already on using confirmation bias and um, and cognitive dissonance to help you succeed? Did I do one of those already? You did. Okay, so can you make a note to put that in the uh, description area for um, uh, for YouTube and all that later? Okay, so people can uh, can check that out, right? Um, Because you know, often we discuss a lot of these things. Be careful! Don't let that happen. You know, there's a whole social agenda now, right? That's just trying to get everybody to be like zero, not really, right? Just walk, talk, act, and think and speak like. we accept and so therefore whatever right um and so they like to put, point out you know uh bias and all those kind of things but the reality is that it's a natural process right and so the trick is is how do you use it right or how do you know when it's going on so you don't let it rule your thoughts words deeds those kind of things right so but anyway that's that's for a different thing and i'm sure i already covered that in the one that uh already asked James about. So, uh, but anyway, right? So here's the thing. But what I'm going to be covering tonight actually came from this, this challenge, right? And maybe people are interested. We could do it again. But um, what it was was five days. Actually, it turned out to be more like seven or eight days, right? Because I always over-deliver. But uh, very early on, right, what we discussed was setting things up so you can be successful. This five-day Kickstarter challenge was to give folks Not not just basic basics, because some people were well beyond basics, but to allow them to set, spend the time on the setup, right? So that when they started doing what they needed to be doing, their chances of success were just like exponentially higher than just trying to will yourself to train every day, to try to sneak in time around the domineering spouse or friends or whatever that won't let you. For those of you on uh, Apple podcasts, I just made air quotes, right? Um, I'm a damn adult for people to not let me. I have to allow their dictatorial rules to, to work, right? And again, I understand picking battles this is not about being an ass. This is not about being a prick. This is not about being the my way or the highway kind of person, but it is establishing uh, boundaries and, and those kind of things so that you can accomplish things that you know will be a benefit to you and everybody else that's going to come in contact with you. Right? So anyway, right? So um, I, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. So um I, I just want to jump into the training during this one. Right? So what I'm giving you is basically, well, a good chunk of the. I think it was the second day, right? It's the second day um, of training. I think it was the second day. Um, so I, the first day we covered what is ninjutsu, right? Because if you if you can't define it, you're going to be like a bunch of these other yahoos that invented their own ninjutsu thing because they just believe that if you just throw a whole bunch of shit together and you're doing basically a a, a budo mixed martial arts kind of thing, then it's ninjutsu, right? Outside of philosophy, outside of mindset, which is why we have a ninja mind course, right? All that stuff. Um, but that was the first thing, right? Let's make sure that we, if we say we're going to be doing something, how about if we make sure that we're actually doing this thing and we're not just making shit up or, you know, whatever, right? And then now, okay, so we want to get, we want to get started. So now we're going to get techniques, right? No. Before we even slide the, before we even throw the first spark into the tinder to try to get it to flame up and slide it into this setup, right? How about if we set up everything so that as soon as we start moving, it catches and, you know, we have to, we have to do a bunch of work to put out the fire. How about that? How about if we set things up in a way that you'd have to actually do extra work to stop the momentum of what you put in put into motion? Okay? I know. It's backwards thinking. But then we're ninja, so we don't think like everybody else. And if we do, or if you do, you're not doing ninja to. Okay? So um I'm gonna I'm gonna flip over to some notes that I have over here, and then we're just gonna just gonna jump into it. Uh, as soon as I find the right one, there we go all right, so do 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 I had everything, and then I moved it <laughs> just so I could read a banner uh, let's see uh James, did you have anything to throw on top of that that fire with the um I don't know not just the naysayers but you you went through the five day thing with me, I think you helped me with that, right. We've got a bunch of students out of that
1: yes it's, I think it's a key thing that uh a lot of people look for and can't find or are looking for and don't quite know it or know exactly what they're looking for is a uh, is a foundation to get started rather I mean some people <laughs> probably haven't don't have previous experience with martial arts or anything. Right. And uh, don't have any foundation at all to start from. And other people, this is completely different and, you know, need some place to start, not just here's a whole bunch of techniques and go do these things.
0: Yes. Well, Hatsumi sensei has has said this um, and a bunch of my mentors have have said it using slightly different words. Uh, But, you know, all of them have said, you have no idea starting out. How much focus, how much energy, how much in the way of resources and things like that, how much planning, how much energy, like keeping the battery charged, right? You're going to need to accomplish the goal you say you want to accomplish, which is why most people peter out, right? Which is why 78% peter out. They just quit very, very early. Because it's all good as long as everything's going well, as long as people are spoon feeding them. But as soon as the first challenge pops up, I can't, it's too difficult. Maybe I'll do it later, whatever. Right. And of the what? 32% that are left. thirty twenty-nine 29 to 31%, right. Um, do enough, right. To get to, you know, to get to a point where they go, you know, well, I used to do that, but, you know, whatever. Right. And they can produce some results right? But it's only one to 2%, three on the outside that like creates a major momentum. But what that actually does is it creates resentment in everybody else because either these people must've had something special or magical or whatever going on to be able to do it. Right. They couldn't have possibly had all the problems, troubles, setbacks or whatever that I had. Right. And they don't want to hear that these people had more. Right. Um, or that it was who they schmoozed with, or whatever, right? Um, and nothing could be farther from the truth, right? Hatzmi and I share a common uh, a common background uh, with having abusive fathers. His was natural born; mine was not. Now, when the guy wasn't drunk, he was perfectly fine. Not mine, his, right? But these are his words, not mine. When he was drunk, you know, he he needed to develop some survival skills, right? But anyway, all right, so a um, couple of little things, and they're all going to feed off of each other uh, because we don't have nearly enough time to go into everything, right? So what I thought I would do for this one is because I, I truly do believe that that people want to be successful. But it, it's kind of like New Year's resolutions, right, here in the West. Simply intending to do something, right? And then starting out, it's not enough, right? There has to be, and for a lot of people, the, the, the award or the reward for getting it is not always about nice things, right? Like, look what I'm going to be able to do, whatever, right? Sometimes the reward is the opposite state of shit you don't want to go back to or the one you're trying to get out of, right? So, and, and again, we, ha- we have a whole episode on what's your why, right? So uh, there's another one, James, right? All these things eventually just fit together like jigsaw puzzle pieces, right? And the reason for that is all these lessons are based on our core program, right? Philosophy and all this kind of stuff, and not just a bunch of stuff thrown out, right? I mean, how many videos on shihaku or... Koyoku, or whatever kata can you watch on fricking YouTube before I don't know you practice one of them or before you understand it, but I don't I don't think information is the problem. Shit, I mean, YouTube probably has a video on just about anything you could ask, right? I found some pretty pretty weird stuff, right? Um, with the books and magazine articles and and you know, old forums and all that kind of stuff, right? I don't think information's a problem. I don't think the lessons are the problem. Right? Information's not the problem. Knowing what you need to do is not the problem, right? What I help people with is implementation, execution. Right? Getting it done. Right? And we're about to make some changes in our in our distance training program because I allowed things to I don't know, be the way they were coming out of Japan for a long time, right? And things are going to change because, um, you know, I need to see. Now, there's a couple of students I have that I don't need to see specific weekly assignments because when they send me an email or they contact me or whatever, right, the questions they ask, they, you know, they're giving me a little bit of a background of what they've been working on up to a certain point or whatever, right? I already know they're not looking for ranks, so we're not assessing for that direction, but I know or we get, you know, we've got at least one student that within what, James, 12 hours that if you if we made a mistake and sent out the wrong link. To that particular day's or yesterday's uh, coaching call, right, they're on it because they're that up to it. I mean, they live on the other side of the planet. So the time for being on the call doesn't work. But do I know that he's actually listening to the recordings? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's listening so, right now. What's that?
1: He's actually listening right now.
0: Oh, well, don't tell him we're talking about him then. <laughs> 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 but 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 see, that's that's how a teacher knows, right? I mean, you know, it's the interaction and engagement. The problem is that he's in two percent of all the students that maybe five uh, that do regular feedback, right? Or regular, they send in, uh, you know, videos or whatever. So I'm going to have to make some changes because the the value is in the execution, right? What's that one uh, old saying my my uh, grandparents used to say all the time? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Something like that, right? So anyway, all right, so let's just jump into this, right? Uh, seven areas to get organized as a solo distance training student, okay? Um, some of these are going to be, duh, right? Of course, I need that, right? Other ones, maybe not so much, okay? And there might be other ones, right? There there might be other ones, and, in, in, you know, if you're on YouTube or even on you know, Facebook or whatever, wherever you happen to be listening, um, if you think I missed something, you know, throw it down in the comments, right? Um. But this this covers a, a broad area. Okay, so uh the first one is a training space. Right, you need a training space, your own personal dojo. I'm going to talk about that more in depth for this this session, um, because there's a lot that needs to go into this. And before, well, it's too late because minds have already decided that they don't have any space to train therefore okay oh and on this list there isn't training partners just just so you know there's no training partner listed as a need okay Um, because you can't organize a training partner right unless you enslave them and hit them with a cattle prod when they don't perform right so (laughs) and if that worked man my dojo would have lots of cattle prods anyway so (laughs) all right so you need training space right we're going to talk about that much more in depth right uh, you need to, uh, arrange for learning time. This is not practice time, learning time. When you will watch video lessons, right? just like you arranged to be on this, right? And Schedule time for this, right? When will you schedule time for, and, you know, if I can't make, uh, I've got my own mentors, right? Um, I was finally able to make it for one of the, uh, one of the, uh, Q and A coaching calls with, um with a business mentor today and, you know, two and a half hours. Um, and, um, you know, but for a couple of weeks, I haven't been able to work that in because I was at a air force graduation, uh, had a summer camp going on, all kinds of stuff. Right. So, um, very difficult. It was just difficult. Right. But they're recorded. Right. So I could get caught up and all that, but to actually be on live and and get things done in real time, um, you know, it was a little bit difficult, but, right, so, how will I organize my time, or how will I arrange time, so I can spend time learning, right, I don't care if it's reading, I don't care if it's reviewing feedback from the teacher, you know, like I said, reading, studying, whatever, It's learning time, okay, I remind my students all the time, and in the instructor training program, I make sure that that instructors are very clear about this, that class time is learning time. Class time is not practice time. Right? Practice outside the dojo. Right? Practice your walking, your observation skills, your whatever, right? The dojo is the classroom. The world outside the dojo walls is the laboratory. right? So, we need to arrange for learning time. Now, Number three, we need to arrange for training time. Training or practice time, right? When will we practice our skills? I don't care if it's fifteen minutes, right? Fifteen minutes a day, it's still cumulative time, right? It doesn't it doesn't have to be like, oh gung ho, I'm gonna train for two hours a day or three hours a day. No you're not. Not for very long. And if you are, you don't have a life, right? Or you don't have a family, or you don't have a job, or whatever. Okay, uh, and if you can, fantastic, right? But that's not—it's not reasonable for most people. Okay, so but we have to arrange some time to do training, practice, right? Actual physical skill practice, or uh, I don't care if it's observational time or whatever, right? The reality is that more—the more we can work this into, especially with this one, right—that we can work it into our day-to-day. Activities and we don't have to set aside a pocket, the less we need an extra pocket, right? I mean, sometimes you need to schedule time so you can practice rolling or you can practice come or you can practice punching or whatever, right? Um, but wallet, walking, observation skills, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? You can do it out in the world doing whatever you're doing, right? The more you can work that in, and this is from teachers um, from the past, not um, not me just making stuff up, okay? So, again, you need a training space, right, personal dojo. We need time for learning, time for actually sitting down with the video lessons, just like you need time to go to the dojo. Everybody talks about, you know, a dojo training is best. You can't learn from online. Well, if you don't have a dojo near you and you're not willing to travel and you're not willing to do online training, well, then you screwed yourself, not the, not the universe. Okay. But you need to schedule learning time, right? You need to schedule training practice time. Okay. I think everybody gets it. Those are pretty much the obvious ones. Okay. So, uh, next one, number four, you need to schedule family, work, whatever, right? Those kind of duties and responsibilities, remembering and never forgetting about balance. Okay. So, How do you do that? Right. You work in, you know, I work in. I mean, all my kids are out in the world now, but I get my grandson every once in a while. Uh, My wife and I are really, really busy. I told you at the very beginning of this episode. Right. (laughs) What she's involved in just got back from a from a trip to Arizona to the University of Phoenix. Right. Because she was invited out there to be a part of a project to help students perform better. Right. And so they flew her out you know, came back and all that. So, you know, that ate into a weekend, right? Um, they flew out Friday. I picked her up on Sunday from the airport. Uh, normally weekends are us time, right? Unless I'm scheduling a seminar or something like that. Um, it's a, especially Sundays, don't, don't screw with our time kind of thing, right? Well, well we ended up skipping things because um, it, it was, it was needed in a big picture kind of thing. It was needed, right? So again, balance, right? Family, work, whatever, right? If you're if you're involved in helping your kids with whatever little group or organization they're in. Right. Maybe it's uh little league baseball or soccer or they're on the swim team or whatever. Right. Scouting uh, guides, whatever you call it, in different countries. Right. Um, you know, if you've already, you know, scheduled those things and it's something you absolutely want to do, well, then you have to figure out how to schedule it. OK. Um, ultimately. Right. If you over schedule yourself, something's got to give. Right. Um, You'll notice that uh, I say duties and responsibilities. Okay, Binge-watching Netflix is not a duty or responsibility, no matter how much you twist that. Right? Uh, binge-watching uh, YouTube videos of Hatsumi Sensei videos or whoever's videos or whatever, not training time. And it's not learning time if you're not taking notes. If you're just binge-watching, but you're not doing anything with it, it's no different than if you were watching videos of a zoo and watching monkeys in a cage flinging poo at each other. Okay. The intent is what makes the difference, right? The purposefulness of the thing, as opposed to just, you know, why I like watching those kind of videos, right? I'm training a ninja zoo. And so I'm learning this content. I'm learning. Mm, okay. Information, knowledge, wisdom. And they're not the same. They're all dependent on each other. Everything starts as information, becomes knowledge with more practice, and with more contextual practice and attempting to get it to fail and all that, you get to this wisdom kind of thing. But wisdom requires execution. Knowledge, to an extent, requires execution. Information, shit. That's nothing. Okay? It's just data. Okay. Alright, so you need to schedule time for that, right? You need to schedule time for what we'll call meditation or personal development time, right? Sometimes I call this alone time, right? It's not the same as your learning time, your training time or whatever. This is reset time, right? This is just sit and be still time. This is time to, to quiet the mind and, and do that kind of training, right? Because ultimately, If you're not in control of your mind, then your mind is in control of you. And it's not that that's not the same thing. Okay? But you need time for that. Um, I, I created a program for overworked, stressed, suicidal doctors. Right? It's a big problem in the medical industry these days, right? Especially residents. Um, they want the benefits of meditation, but they don't have time for meditation. But they're thinking of this long form kind of stuff where you know you're sitting down for 10, 20, 30 minutes or whatever, right? Um, But we have a certain type of meditation that comes out of uh, Tendai and out of Mikyo training. That's a spontaneous kind of thing where you can do it in 30 seconds to a minute to three minutes, whatever, right? So literally you can steal time through the day during reset moments. And, you know, you, you get, you still need time every once in a while to do duration holding meditative practice but the ability to slip into different mental states and different use the use of different mental functions it's it's huge right well i mean after all what's the ninja's most um uh, important most valuable most dangerous weapon his or her mind not the sword not the stealth training not the throwing stars their mind their ability to solve problems and see things that other people cannot see. Okay. Uh, you need, uh, especially if my, my distance training person or students, and if you're working with uh, a teacher, right, you need to schedule time for coaching calls. You need to set, schedule time for creating review and testing videos, right? Back with learning time, watching video lessons, reviewing feedback from the teacher, Reading, study, that kind of stuff, right? And not the same, okay? This is active, right? So I'm on a coaching call where I can ask questions, right? I can get feedback from my teacher, right? I'm creating review and or testing videos so they can see what I'm doing and they can give me feedback that will loop back to the learning time, right? The cool thing is, is most of these, well, I don't, I don't know how many people out there have coaching programs that now they're not doing coaching calls. Uh, I do know that several big ones are not right, but actual, you know, ongoing feedback and whatnot. Um, but it, there's that interaction that people always say the reason that dojo training is best, right? But either way, right. Need to schedule time for that, or we're going to end up tossing that back into the learning time where the coaching calls, I lost an opportunity to, to do Q and A with my teacher or to show him something and to get feedback, Right. And so now it's back with learning time because now I'm watching it like any other video lesson. Okay. And I need to schedule and organize time for seminar and or dojo visits for, for classes, for in-person training so that my teacher and I can actually bond much more deeply. Right. And they can get a sense, not about just my skill level, but me as a person. And how I'm applying things, how, you know, those kind of, and some of that comes across in coaching calls and, and, and those kind of, uh, group interactions or, or private one-on-one interactions and whatnot. But the seminars and the, and the dojo things, right? That allows a student to feel, even my long-distance students, right? The ones who come in for seminars and things like that. And I'm not, I'm not discounting anybody else because I mean, how Carl lives on the other side of the planet, literally, right? I'm in the Northern Hemisphere, he's in the Southern, you know, Sometimes things are just really, really, really difficult, right? But, but those who come in or interact in the, in the Q&A and some of my local students are in on that and whatever, right? This collectively creates a sense of bonding and camaraderie and a, a sense that they're actually a part of a dojo family. And they're not just alone in the wilderness, as the song goes. Right. So anyway, that's that's the seven areas that I pointed out. Um, I'll, I'm going to I'm going to focus tonight during, during this session. I'm going to focus just on the training space um, because I've got some some good suggestions. I think they're good suggestions. Right. Um, and the reason why I think this is and so and the reason why I know these things, these weren't things that I had to come up with. OK. Remember, I have always been a solo distance student, always. Okay? So this is not something that I sat around and pondered. These are things that I had to put in place, and the more of these things that I got in place, the smoother the ride, the more successful I was, and the faster I made progress, right? Because there's less limitations. It's kind of like our our life discovery, um, the life purpose discovery process, right? Um, there's this counterintuitive exercise in there. Because most people think that to be successful, they need to work on the things like the training time, the, you know, whatever. Right. They need to learn the lessons. They need to work on this stuff. They need to practice, 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 practice. Right. So I'm going to keep working on this thing. Right. I'm going to work on having, um, you know, uh, to to develop, you know, a life where I'm free to live my authentic self. Right. To speak, uh, you know, as I as I. Believe to be true, and you know, whatever, right? Access to my teachers, and I mean, th- these are on mine, right? Meanwhile, they're navigating all the crap that is getting in the way, right? All the stuff that they complain about. So in this exercise, they write down these four, or five, six goals, right, of of life mastery, right? And then across from them, they write down the things that, currently, they believe, are preventing that from happening, each one of those things from happening, right? So there's a certain couple of one to three things, maybe four things that, you know, for number one is keeping that from happening, okay? So now we've moved down to number two. There's one thing maybe primarily or two or whatever that's preventing that from happening, right? So once they're done with the whole thing, then the lesson is, okay, start eliminating all the limitations because if you're right, right? about these things being the inhibitor, then if you eliminate them, systematically eliminate them, these things will happen by default. But people are running around trying to create the, the ideal in a boat that's rickety, falling apart, being tossed around on the ocean. Because right? there's not enough setup. There's not enough uh, attention to how do I set things up so that when i when the starter pistol goes, shit, there's nobody wandering around the track. It's not a dog out there crapping on the track that I might trip over whatever I know I make the coolest analogies don't I anyway, all right so um let's do this before I jump into focusing on creating your own personal dojo, your own training space, I got a couple of suggestions for that uh, let me just jump back over here uh James, any questions or comments or anything like that have been popping up while I've been uh Covering this part.
1: No questions. Just people put in saying hi.
0: Hey. <laughs> I, I'm really, uh, I'm always happy to see um, folks. We've got a good group of regulars and that kind of stuff. So anyway. All right. So uh, let me just jump back over to my page again then. Get back into my hole. All right. So let's see. Where are my notes? There we go. get to the right place. Okay. So five, uh, five considerations for setting up your training space. Okay. your Training dojo. Okay. All right. So I'm going to preface this though. We'll we'll get to this, right? But I want to preface this with, I don't care how much space you think you have. Even if you were homeless living under a bridge, you've got your own personal space. Now, you may be using a space for something else, but that doesn't mean you can't turn that temporarily into a dojo. If Hatsumi Sensei could do it, when Stephen Hayes originally went to Japan to train, and the secondary room that they were using was so rickety that every once in a while in training, somebody would put their foot through a floorboard and they would have to stop class, to repair the floor and then get back to training again. If if the grandmaster of this art can do that, anybody can do that, right? So here's the way it worked. Students would show up for class. They would go to this secondary storage room. That's me since they had in this small house that he had originally, right? And everybody would pitch in to carry the boxes and the stuff that was in the room, outside so that they would clear it out and they could train. And after class was over, everybody hopped their happy ass outside and carried everything back in so that it was out of the weather and it was back in storage for the next time. Okay? And again, people have their own beliefs and ideas about the way it must have been without being there. But at the same time, if they read some of the books, the earlier books and all that, that are required reading for my students, um, all, they're all there, right? So things are not, right. I mean, again, if, if it was not beneath the grandmaster and the people we now know as master teachers and the next generation Soke, okay. if it was not beneath them as teenagers training with this doctor, right, to clear out a space so they could train, we can all clear out a space. So what we may have to do is move, you know, we're in the living room, right? Or the family room or whatever. So we slide this furniture off against the walls, whatever we have to do to create enough of a space, right? That we can train, okay? So that being said, I don't care if it's a side patch in your yard. I don't care if it's a little cleared space in the basement or the cellar or whatever you call it, right? I don't care, right? If we don't have the space, we create the space. If we don't have the time, we create the time. If we don't have the motivation, commitment, and persistence, well, then we're shit out of luck. So anyway, um, so the first thing, first first thing in setting up the space is determine what or where that space will be. This is extra room I'm not using. I'm going to have to temporarily use the living room, right? Again, this goes back to negotiating with, with the wife, you know? two, three times a week or whatever. I'm going to train. It'll be after you go to bed. I move this stuff. I promise everything will be back where it came from. Ta-da, right? So um, I don't care what it is, but what you have to do is get your head wrapped around the idea that this space is my training space. It is my personal dojo. It's not, well, whatever I can find. Really? You think about the ninja and the stories and all these exploits and stuff like that, right? So, uh, Yamanoto, what I want you to do is go, you know, get this information from the enemy, sneak into their castle, right? Uh, Can you do that? Well, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) But that's the way a lot of people try to make their training happen, right? Well, we'll see what happens, right? I'm going to give it my best college try or whatever. Right. So but by by identifying what that space will be or identifying that space and recognizing, even if it's the living room or the parlor or whatever it might be called, where where you are. Right. Where everybody gathers. Right. And the furniture is where honey likes it or, you know, the family's decided it's going to be and it's going to be there for living purposes I can see my training space because these things are movable. I'm, I'm assuming that no one has nailed their furniture down in place in their house or that a shed or a corner of the garage or whatever. Things can't be moved temporarily and then moved back. Well, sensei, that's extra time. Well, I guess this isn't worth it. right? I understand I get I I get how much extra time it takes so then only train half as long once you've moved everything but you've already moved everything you might as well do it right okay so first thing is determine what the space will be right where it's gonna be right and see it okay so number two let others know when how and why the space is yours during these times, I'm using it for this okay? if you can turn the refri- if you can turn the living room or your entire house into a into a a party house and I'm not talking about like you know well maybe you got the teenagers coming over or you're still a frat boy attitude or whatever but if you can turn the dining room into a birthday party room for junior's third birthday party, then why can't we turn this living room or part of the shed or whatever into your space when you're training, right? You need to be able to see that. One of the first meditation exercises, visualization exercises, I went through as a white belt in my first teacher's dojo was a visualization where we built in our mind our own personal dojo. Walked a path, saw it in the clearing, what does it look like from the outside? All that kind of stuff. Went inside, right? Looked around. What's in there? Mine was just loaded with bookshelves, right? All these old tomes and training things and philosophy and just books on just about any topic, right? Because it fit the Ninja Hachimon, right? What's the inside of the dojo look like and all that so that even if I couldn't physically train in the world, I can still to this day close my eyes, visualize my personal dojo that was built in late 1980 and go there and visualize training. We need space. It needs to be our space, even if it's just temporarily. But see, we know the truth, right? It's kind of like Clark Kent and Superman. Clark Kent is the disguise. Superman is always there. So once I've determined that that space is my dojo, and it's mine. It doesn't matter if it's if it's arranged as a living room for the family for 70 percent of the week. I can see through all that stuff. I can see through Clark's hat, suit and glasses and see Superman. I can see my dojo. Right? Number three, I'm going to decorate the space. Kamiza, Kamidana, whatever. I'm going to decorate the space to give it significance. Right. Again, if it's a living room. This is not going to be as involved as, like, I've got a couple of friends who've converted, like, their garage or a corner of the garage or whatever, where they can make this, literally, it's a little nook, right? Or I have a dojo, right? So two classrooms, they both have their own little kamiza, kamidana, whatever, right? But what I might be able to do is hang a piece of artwork that, you know, matches, right? the rest of the decor, but every time I look at that, right, historical or philosophical or symbolic connection, I know what that means, and it's also a reminder that my dojo, right, uh, I might make a small kamiza, right, a small spirit seat, might just have a little symbol or a little statue or whatever, right? On the thing, um, 1980, what was that? let's see, 1982 to four, yeah, 82 to 84, I was stationed in what was then West Germany, had my family along, right? I literally did this with my living room, okay? So uh, some of you know about this little poem that I wrote, right? Um, I think it's it's probably in the back room of the dojo. Uh, right now but it used to sit out on the counter and I just just wrote it out calligraphy that kind of thing right and it has a nin symbol at the top and it says my art is in my head and in my heart not around my waist and I hung that on the wall I didn't need to go buy something whatever I just made this thing right because at that point, right had had no meaning for me, right? It was it was the knowledge. It was the skills. It was my ability to produce results, right? And that was one of those things that came to you at one point. Feel free to steal it, right? Um, but I hung that up, okay? I uh, had a couple of little items, right, that were just on a shelf. Very innocuous, right? Most people didn't even notice, right? because my wife had these other things that were there, much bigger, right? Her decor, right? Had these, just these little things. But I knew they were there, right? So I want to decorate it, right? In some way, okay? In some way, so that there's a constant reminder. It's kind of like the little doruma dolls, right? Uh, that are used for goal setting, right? You get this thing, when you get it, the whole thing is painted, right? Except for the eyes, right? They're these blank things that are not even staring at you because they're just empty, right? They're the only unpainted part of the, of this little, what well, looks like a little shrunken head. Usually they're red, but they come in black, white, red, blue, black, gold. They all have different meanings, but either way, right? So you set a goal, you paint its eye in, then you set it someplace where this little one-eyed thing is going to be staring back at you on a regular basis, reminding you that your goal is not accomplished yet. And then, (coughs) excuse me, when you accomplish the goal, you paint the other eye in, and then either in the same place or somewhere else, you still set it where it's pointing at you, reminding you on a regular basis of your own personal power, because it's now symbolic of a goal accomplished, now, you don't need to go to Japan to buy the little shrunken heads. You can look up uh, Japanese Kids Arts and Crafts, Daruma, D-A-R-U-M-A, right? And you'll find these little line drawings. Hell, you color it in. You can find ones that are already colored, printed out, whatever. Do the little draw-in thing, put it in a frame, hang it up, or whatever, right? Um, but it's symbolic of, of the goal, right? It's just And it just looks like, you know. Who cares if the significant other tells all of her friends, I don't know, it's some weird Japanese thing that they've got. Uh, weird hobbies. I don't understand it. That's okay. They don't understand it. They don't need to understand it. What they need to do is be okay with you doing this thing, right, and, you know, you figuring out a way to make this happen. But this is all part of the setup. We haven't talked about techniques at all yet. All right? We haven't talked about weapons. We haven't talked about, we haven't talked about needing a training partner nothing set up so when we slide that 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 flaming or or smoldering tinder into that nest right we get results and functional results not not results based on a hope and a prayer right all right so this is where i tended to stop for folks but I gave them these other things as bonuses, right? Tonight I'm just going to list them out because I think that they're just important, just as important, right? Um, whatever, right? I always give people an out, right? You give people enough rope, right? They'll either weave a basket for you, or they'll hang themselves. They'll hang themselves with it, right? Or they'll let go and fall, right? But I'm offering the rope, right? So anyway, number four, name your dojo space give your dojo a name, okay? Mine is named based on my connection with Hatsumisensei, and since his dojo was the Bujinkan dojo, then Bujinkan dojo is in there. The middle part identifies my dojo, right? And I still have two dojo. One's not uh, in physical space anymore, but originally it was Bujinkan Kudyu dojo, right? Kudyu. It's a double-bladed sword kind of thing, right? Kuryu can mean uh, nine lineages, right, on a very overt way, right? But it was my first martial name, Kuryu, Dragon of Potential, right? But then later on, at a different level, another te- teacher had given me a name, um, Trey sensei And so that's where a lot of you know Bujinkan Mori no Tora, Dojo, right? Mori no Toda, forest tiger, right? Um, so, but by giving it a name, you make it more real, right? This is in the 12-fold chain of dependent origination uh, on the wheel of life, right? Consciousness, right? Put your mind on this thing. And consciousness begets name and form. Name and form gives things substance, right? Feeds the five senses, Right? The mind, right? Okay. But naming it makes it real. Okay? A lot of people won't do things. They won't use things like they won't use terms like I love you. They won't use terms like, well, that's my that's my boyfriend, girlfriend, that's my that's my whatever. Fill in the blank because it's they know. They know in their heart of hearts. As soon as they fill in the blank, they make it real. And now they have responsibilities. Now they have to live up to that, right? All right, so that's number four. Number five, treat your space with respect. Don't throw trash around in it. Keep it cleaned up. I don't care if it's, again, using the living room analogy, because I did that once, right? I don't care if it's in living room mode or dojo mode. Ultimately, see, as soon as my brain shifts this way, as soon as my mind shifts this way, right, I'm not using the living room for a temporary dojo. I'm allowing my dojo to be used as a living room for the family, when I'm not using it for training, it's a different mindset. Okay, I'm going to treat it with, with respect. I'm going to treat it the same way I would if I were in my teacher's dojo, not necessarily the way I've seen a lot of other people train. The most common phrase in Japan in honbu dojo, which just just staggers the mind. It's just I just I've never been able to understand this decades going there. And the number one phrase at the end of class has always been take your trash with you, don't leave your trash in the dojo. Why would you do that? Why the hell are we... People are going to the headquarters central of the Bujinkan dojo, to in the world, and they're going to leave their shit behind. Expecting Who? Honey, mom, dad, janitor, whatever, to clean up after them. We're going to the Grandmaster's dojo. And it happens all the time because it had to be announced all the time. So can you imagine what some of these folks, what their personal dojo has got to look like? If they're leaving shit behind for what? The grandmaster or a senior master teacher to clean up, clean up after them? How freaking disrespectful can people get? Or how ignorant can they get? And I don't mean ignorant like in a bad thing. They just don't think about it. Oh, I forgot. Sorry. How about Shutere Shimas? Oh shit. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How can I make up for it? I'm, I'm, nope. <laughs> no, sorry. I just it was just a bag. I mean, you know, I couldn't find a trash can that put it in your damn backpack and carry it out with you. You carried it in. Either way, right? So those five things. Determine what and where you, uh, that space is going to be. Let others know when, how, why the space is yours, right? Decorate the space. Kamiza, which means spirit seat, or kamidana, spirit shelf, right? Name your dojo space. Treat your space with respect. Okay. Pretty simple, right? But this one piece out of those seven make a huge difference. Right? Huge difference. Okay, James. Anything? Questions? Comments?
1: No. No questions. No other comments.
0: All right, um well, you know what let's do this um i I can go through it like twelve items or whatever um and I'll let it up to everybody else right um if you have the space to do a kamiza, kamidana full on you don't have to use all these twelve or whatever, but um what I gave to everybody during that that training was uh twelve symbolic items that go on a kamiza, on a kamidana um that are related to what we're doing, right? Um, I'll leave it up to everybody. I mean, if you've had enough, that's great. I mean, we're already at what an hour and 15 minutes. Um, we can just take some questions and wrap this up or I can just very, very quickly and I'll just name these things and, and tell you what they represent because maybe that way you can decide what kind of decorations you're going to subtly slip into the environment that when you move the furniture and you bring everything together, right, it's already there, right? It does not have to be all in the same place uh uh when you, you know, when when the living space is being used for that or whatever, okay? So, I'll I don't know. James, should we like do the Jeopardy song or whatever while we're waiting for uh, a consensus? I'm okay either way. As I tell students that get distracted in class and I just stop Happens a youth class every once in a while, I'll just stop or the instructors will just stop. We'll just stand there and all of a sudden they'll realize that they're the only ones talking and then they'll stop and look in our direction and I'll go, I already know this stuff. I'll teach if you're paying attention and listening. If you're not, I don't need to talk to hear myself talk. And I certainly don't need a teacher's position to feel all warm and fuzzy about myself. Yay. Carl,
1: Carl has asked to name them, please. It's been a while since the last lesson. And he says living by myself is an advantage. The whole house is my dojo.
0: There you go. My, uh, my Mikyo teacher, Reverend G he was a single guy. As a matter of fact, one of the most me- – two memorable things that he ever, ever told me, one he got from uh, his teacher, right? One was uh, he looked at me one day and he said, um, Jeff, shit don't stink unless you kick it, right? <laughs> just sits there and dries and, you know, whatever, right? So um, that was just one of those things where be careful what you meddle in, right? What Be careful what kind of actions you take because you can exacerbate a problem, right? If you leave it alone, it'll just dry up, decompose and go back to the to the earth, right? But <laughs> anyway, uh and the other thing was uh I was actually um in the middle of a divorce and he and I were just kind of chatting and he said, you know, I, what you're going to eat. Do whatever you want, but I I suggest that so that your mind is okay, you take some time. Be be alone. Remember, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Being alone is a relationship choice or a relationship condition. Being lonely is, is an internal feeling because you aren't what? Not being entertained, not being surrounded, don't have somebody else, whatever, right? They're different, right? So anyway, we're discussing these things and I kind of looked over and, you know, I said, have you ever been married? And without missing a beat, he went, oh, my God, Jeff, no. Don't you know there's one thing worse than being alone? I said, no, Sensei, what's that? He goes, being with somebody who makes you wish you were. Right? <laughs> Just, right? You'd think that one of the most memorable things would have been one of, like, the Buddhist sutras that he taught me. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but my point was, when I went to visit him, he, he had this apartment in the middle of Indianapolis, Indiana, right? And I would go out and stay for a weekend or I would stay for a week or whatever. And I wasn't married, had no kids, right? So the living room dining area was the main altar area, right? The kitchen, he used the stove. He had like two bowls, two plates, two sets of silverware, whatever, because he only ever had one student there at a time, right? And all the cabinets... Were the overflow for the bookshelves that he had overstuffed. So opening up all the cabinets, just books and books and books and books and books. Right, woman would go nuts. Ugh! Dishes and china and all that. No, no, rare books. Shit, knowledge, right here. Right? So that's what we're cooking in the kitchen. Uh, restroom was in uh, you know, the bathroom. Was bathroom. Um, and then there was this. Well, was supposed to be a bedroom, right? That was a minor altar. That was a teaching space, right? So we had a butsudan in there, right? not a butsudan like we use as a normal altar. It's a slight linguistic difference, right? Butsudan, which can mean cemetery, but it's also a shrine to those who have passed. Where in Mikyo we do the um, the sanju uh, shichidobo, no, the um Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, right? It's actually done after somebody passes and whatever, right? So you had that in there, another altar in there, whatever. But that's where the main learning took place, okay? So here's that, that repurposing thing, right? Where the hell's his this bedroom, right? Well, there was a closet off this main teaching room, which was a bedroom, right? Um, which was never used as a bedroom. Well, it was, right, at night, okay? Right? So after the day, and we're going to turn in, he pulls out two bedrolls. The student gets one, and you go into the main altar room. Big old Mikkyo altar. There was a singing fountain. Water would trickle off these uh, metal leaves and make this chiming the whole time. There was a life-size statue of Amida in the corner. The whole thing, right? And that's where I slept, right? On a futon, right? He broke out a futon for himself. He slept in the teaching room, All right? So absolutely, your entire house is your dojo, All right? Lucky man. <laughs> uh, fortress of solitude there, Superman. Absolutely, All right? So cool stuff, right? But this is, the the, the idea is, you know, mindset, right? Um, to recreate yourself, practice recreating other things. How would you make things not not choose to see things. It's part of it, but it's not to say. How will you make things that you need? How will you make the time? How will you make the space? How will you how will you make the condition right? Like Carl said, you know, best thing about living alone is the whole house is my dojo, right? But that's a mindset. It's not empty. It's not too much for me. It's uh, whatever, right? The whole thing's a dojo. Fantastic. All right, let me jump back over to my notes here. We'll do this, and then uh, we'll see what kind of questions pop up uh, before we call it a day. Shift my next phase here, my next section. Uh, There we go. Okay, so um, setting up your Kamiza Kamidana. Uh, these are items typically found on a kamidana. Again, kamidana means spirit shelf. So kamiza, spirit seat, is a whole, like, section. It's, it's one term that people use, right? The seat or the place where the, the spirit of the dojo sits, right? If you, if you want to think in that direction, it's a Shinto way of looking at things. Kamidana is the shelf that all these items sit on, right? But sometimes, uh, instead of calling it a kamiza, some people call it a kamidana they're interchangeable, right? In most most instances they mean the same thing. Okay? So, you know, items typically found on they're on on the kamiza uh in our dojo, right? Not not to be confused with the butsudan. So the kamiza is a shinto thing, right? Um so there's going to be references to nature and stuff like that. Butsudan, right, is a Mikyo uh buddhist thing, right? So both Loaded with symbols, okay. But the butsudan, all the symbols have to do with the mind, potential, living life, that kind of thing, right? The the kamiza, right? There are there's a wide range of things, right? But they typically are reminders and they're symbolic representations of Things that we're working on, connections, stuff like that, right? So one is more based on nature, one is more based on psychology, right? The the intent between of both of them are pretty much the same, right? But the symbols are going to be different. Okay, okay so uh, shinden, right? Uh, again, there's 12 of these things. Shinden, shinden is these little houses that you see on it, right? The shinden symbolically houses the spirit of the dojo okay in one of my teachers dojos there was a, a a little painting inside right you look through the open doorway and there's a little painting and it was it was a, a painting of marishi ten uh who's the uh protective uh protector deity uh in japan of uh warriors okay marishi ten also supposedly right from legend The, uh, kuji that the ninja use were passed down to warriors from Marici Ten. Not that that matters much. Okay. Uh, number two, again, these are in in no particular order. I'm just going down my list, right? Uh, omomori, which is a spiritual symbol. Omomori, uh, is like a blessing. Okay. So, uh, on my dojo, there are these placards. About the size of this receipt kind of thing, right? Um, about that shape that have, uh, the bujin symbol on it and then the kanji for bujin, bujin kan, those kind of things. Sometimes, uh, uh, not sometimes. I also have rolled, uh, scrolls that Hatsumi has painted certain messages, uh, koteki ryoda, things like that, right? That are up there that are this spiritual essence, uh, philosophical kind of stuff. Right. So, uh, but what it represents is this, um, it's just more spirit to the dojo kind of thing. Right. Um, uh, hanging off my belt. Sometimes you'll see these little things that look like tea bags. Most people call them, you know, they say, Oh, it looks like a tea bag. What is that? Right. They're called Omomori, right? Inside, get them at different uh temples. Um, inside is a blessing that was written by a priest and, you know, put in there, and then it's stitched closed, okay? You're never supposed to open it to pull it out to read it because if you open it, it's like a Pandora's box kind of thing, right? And it's not like bad things will happen. It's that you're letting supposedly the good juju, right, the, the blessing you're carrying with you uh, out, right? So anyway, back to that shinden thing, right? Um, uh, I have a, a my head, we're rebuilding things, right, a little kanji in there. One of my friends, uh, for the longest time, in his Shinden, he had a feather, okay, because the feather, to him, symbolically represented the Omyo, right, the yin-yang, right, these two things that together, right, just meant a lot, right, so two sides to the training, that kind of thing, right, this feather, right, is super, super light, right, but can hold up. Right, in conjunction with other feathers, right? But can hold up uh a, a bird without breaking. Okay. So um, you know, while birds may molt and lose feathers, feathers typically you know, really difficult to break them, right? Um, so there was this yin yang kind of thing, right? There's a strength, but this lightness kind of thing, right? So he used that, right? Uh somebody else has an arrow, whatever, right? But it's it's about you personalized to you, but what represents the spirit of the dojo, okay? So, Omomori, spiritual symbol, symbols, those kind of things, right? Uh, Tomyo, right? Candles, light, right? So, I have an electric light up there and uh, two small candles that are very much like the ones that you see uh, burned in uh, Honbu. I literally go shopping for these things when I'm in Japan and bring back as many as I can bring back, um, they're, they're made, uh, to burn at a certain, uh, time, right? So, uh, we use them specifically for like our big seminars and stuff like that, right? But the tomyo, the light that the candle produces, is symbolic, uh, of the enlightenment that we're seeking, right? Uh, coal, uh, incense, right? Incense in Japan represent purification, Okay. So, I have different types um, normally we're burning uh, burning incense right um, typically, the incense is not uh, sweet or fruity or anything that would remind me of something right so the we we have come up with a couple of blends that we'll have to get a couple of different types of incense and then one stick, one stick, patchouli sandalwood, that kind of thing uh, We have a cedar amber kind of mix uh, that gets a little bit of um, uh, sandalwood oil on it right um, but this creates a smell creates a, a scent in the dojo that's typically unlike anything people are going to encounter in their day-to-day life so that has a very specific connection right to the dojo but those scents I put together because they're as close as I could approximate with certain temples or places in Japan that I take students and to watch them have that moment of recognition, right? They walk into this temple and they smell this and they go, ah, oh, smells like the dojo. And I have to stop them and say, no, I made the dojo smell like this place of power. Right. And now you have a connection to something that before I just made the dojo smell good, right? But uh, it represents purification, just like this mudra, right? doing this kind of thing, right? If you can imagine the extended fingers being incense sticks, and then my mind is visualizing the smoke coming up off of these things, and it's waved and fanned in front of things as a a purification kind of thing, right? Uh, Sakaki, greens, right? Uh, Vegetation, um, uh, they're up there. They represent our connection with nature, right? We talk about nature and natural in, in this art all the time. On the, on the, uh, kamiza, there's this representation, okay? Uh, there's a shiminawa, okay? Uh, I have one in the back room. That one needs to move to the front room, uh, and I have another one that's a huge thing that was a gift from, uh, Shrey Sensei a bunch of years ago, uh, that needs to go on the kamiza in, the, in our back room. That's, that's the one that's more traditional looking. The one in the front's more of an east meets west eclectic kind of thing so uh the decor everything is different right so but the shiminawa is a shinto thing it has these little looks like lightning bolt uh white papers uh sticking off of them. um it like a shinden if you ever see these things out in nature on a rock or a tree or whatever whether it's a shiminawa which means twisted rope right uh or a shinden they mark a revered place or a place where there's a lot of uh Uh, spiritual power or energy, okay? Sometimes it's just the thing was really old, right? Um, So let's see. Number seven, uh, bowls of salt and or rice, right? Uh, These represent sacrifice, the willingness to give up my present condition for something better, right? Salt has to dissolve, right? Put on food or whatever. It has to dissolve to add flavor to food. Rice is a seed. It has to die gets planted, it splits open, creates this new plant that gives birth to hundreds, if not thousands more kernels, uh, you know, uh, grains of rice, okay? So it represents sacrifice, giving up the current condition, including me, right, for something better, right, for something much better, right? Uh, there's uh, uh, cups uh, or saucers of water and or sake, Okay. Um, again, it's a purification thing, right? Um Nine, Kagami. Kagami's a mirror, okay? Uh, the Kagami represents, is symbolic of the enlightened mind, which is clear and unstained, right? So if you're looking at a perfect mirror, the mirror reflects back exactly what's in front of it. There's no distortion. There's no embellishment. Nothing like that, right? So, you know, we go, well, that's easy. It's a freaking mirror, right? Um, but mirrors are made in a very different way than they were way, way back in the day. Back in the day, way, way back, right? It was a piece of metal and it was highly polished, kept in a little pouch so it didn't get banged around the world or whatever, right? If it got scratched, if it got, you know, dinged a little bit or bent or whatever, the image that you're getting back is this funhouse-like kind of thing, right? It's distorting the image, so the idea is this clarification, but very often, and, and we do this in, in our dojo, um, the kagami is positioned in front of the doorway of the shinden, right? out in front. And there's a slight, uh, like tilt to it, right? So when you look up at the kamiza at the mirror from a very specific place in the dojo, you see reflected back the keeper of the wisdom of the universe, so to speak, right? So, and here's the way this works. That's the way mirrors work, right? Um, from a certain angle, what you see is a perfect bright disc because it's just reflecting light because of the way our eyes are looking at it, right? From a, different pers- uh, from a different position, right? Looking into the doorway of the Shinden, at the Kagami, you see your own reflection, It it represents symbolically. um, Nobody can do this for you, right? And it also points to our innate enlightened nature, right? It's in there, right? We're not we're not stacking something on top. The training and and the mind stuff is all a process of of shedding, right? Dropping the facade so that we can be authentic. It's one of the seven characteristics of an enlightened mind or of an enlightened person, right? Uh, number 10, uh, photos of your teacher or teachers, right, uh, that delineate they, they uh, show lineage, right? Student, I mean, of a teacher, right, but student of a teacher who's a student of a teacher who's a student, right? And when, when people first join the dojo, right, I explain this to them, and I explain that we have nine schools that our Grandmaster has soke ship to, Way more than that, that he had, you know, this full transmission of. But if we just count those nine, right, most schools teach what? One, two, maybe three, right? We've got nine, okay? So if we only count the grandmasters, and we go teacher, there's a student, of a the teacher, there's a student, teacher, da, 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 and we go back, right? Just grandmasters. If I had enough pictures and enough wall space, there would be 700 photographs on the wall. We don't have anything in this country that's that old. Now, those of you in Europe and UK and whatnot, you can't, you know, you, you can, you can trace lineages farther than that, but here in the U S. Okay. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. I didn't need to make this shit up. Right. I think it's pretty cool that it survived that long. Okay. Uh, number 11, symbols of personal success might be up there. This, this are optional, right? Symbols of personal success. Uh, so uh, there's a couple of things that I have up there. Um, one is like this small uh photo book kind of thing that has some pictures of peers from back in the day and teachers that I trained with and whatnot, right? This journey, right, uh, places uh, on some of my Japan trips that I've traveled and all that, that's up there. And number 12 is blessings and well wishes and gifts. So occasionally people have give me things uh, that, you know, meant something or whatever and that, you know, they weren't just like a trinket, right? It was a, it was a heartfelt kind of thing. And they go up on my kamiza because it's a spirit seat, a seat of the spiritual power or connection or energy of the dojo. So I, I, I feed that. Yeah, I, I put those things up there. Okay. All right. Anything pop up for that?
1: Carl had some more comments here. Balancing training with responsibilities and maintaining family contact is important for stress. Less stress is better quality training. Absolutely. Life happens. Sometimes you just have to postpone your training or adapt it to the circumstances.
0: Yeah. And I, 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 I don't believe that if we're thinking about postponing it, then we're thinking about one aspect of training, right? But if we understand that, you know, we could just be, Practicing to switch gears and relax. We can be practicing communication skills. I mean, to is so deep, right? Um, you, if you understand that depth and breadth, you can never not be practicing, never not be training. So, and, and absolutely right. Life happens, right? So adaptability is another huge skill set. Some people, not so much, right? I remember one time, uh, we were using this temporary, uh, Place for training uh, while we were setting up something else, and uh, it was in a holistic uh, learning center. Right, so we rented this space upstairs where they had meditation classes, and uh, uh, we can't. My my group came in one day and we were walking up these steps, and you know they said that they weren't sure if the class was over yet. No problem, right? So very quietly, right, move up, and so you know we're we're kind of peeking through these these railings, right. And people are sitting there, right? The windows are open. It's summertime, right? Traffic's going by outside. The truck goes by and you can physically see people like irritated, you know? And then afterwards, when the teacher asked them how things were going, they were like, well, I was doing perfectly fine till that damn truck went by. Because a lot of these people assumed like they didn't like that training space because of the traffic, because the assumption was they needed a perfectly quiet place where they wouldn't be disturbed. Well, how the hell do you practice maintaining an even keel if there aren't things that could possibly distract you or irritate you? I don't know, right? Even the Dalai Lama said it's easy for anybody to go off to the mountains and the and the and the uh, the forest to become enlightened, right? You just might want to be really, really careful when you come back into town, lest you get run over by a bus or. Get into a fist fight right away because, you know, the trees aren't causing any kind of irritation. <laughs> right, So anybody can do it when the fricking conditions are just right. Right. We're training to be ninja. Can you do it when most people would frickin' quit? Right. Most people would expect you to lay down and just give up. Right? Most people would see the situation as impossible. I mean. If truly impossible, it was impossible by its very nature. It's not impossible just because I said it is. Okay. I'll learn very, very quickly if it's impossible. Because I'll have something sticking out of me and I'll be leaking. But until that happens, I'm always going to try something. All right, What else?
1: Uh, Occasionally find time to do nothing, to recharge, do something you enjoy.
0: Hmm. I think it's part of training too. In Mikyo, we have this saying that um, while all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are enlightened, they all have their own flavor. That doesn't mean we're cannibals and going to eat the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. What (laughs) What that means is... They have their own personality, right? They have their own interests. They have their own things. I mean, part of, part of the Seishin Techie personal clarity is finding out what really does it for you, right? For me, it's nature, right? The ocean, that kind of stuff, right? For some people, not even close, right? For some people, it's out on a motorcycle with the wind blowing through their hair or whatever, right? Okay. Find what does it for you. And when I say what does it for you, I mean when you're doing that thing and you're fully engaged and you, you lose yourself, there's a feeling, and you might even have used words like this. There's this feeling like, this is the life. Or, man, life doesn't get any better than this. Okay? That's what all this martial stuff is supposed to be protecting. Most people train the martial arts and have no freaking idea what it's supposed to be protecting. Well, you know, so I can defend myself. What the hell so valuable about you to defend yourself? I'm not saying you're not, but do you even know what you're talking about? What's the me that I'm defending? What's the value that needs to stay in the world? I know people are going to take this the wrong way, but I'm, gonna just, just, I'm, not, I'm not justifying any of that stuff. right? So, anyway, anybody else?
1: Uh, Carl, I one last comment. Somewhere in the world, someone is trying to kill you. Numerous great posters of this saying available online.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I, have, I have that card on my office door that Jack Hoban gave us. Somewhere, someone in the world is training. Now, he didn't add the extra part to it. but It was just paraphrased, but that's what it means, right? Somewhere, someone in the world is training to, to kill, Right. And if you're not training and you meet them, you will lose. Now, in all honesty, you could lose anyway. But if you've ever read uh, Jacobin's book, Ninpo, Living and Thinking as a Warrior, read the preface because he talks about how the sage and the warrior have the same goal. But, and I'm paraphrasing, if the shit hits the fan the warrior can last a little longer. Maybe. (laughs) We have to be clear about this stuff. Everybody envisions, you know, being the superhero that's indestructible, but I don't know. I'm glad my teachers described things the way they did. The art is here to allow us to produce the best results possible. While minimizing the amount of wear and tear in the process. Didn't say anything about like being indestructible or no wear and tear or whatever. Fights hurt. Attacks hurt. We covered that last week, so I'm not gonna repeat myself. Alright. Alright, we good? Yes, that was it. Anything you wanna throw on top of this fire? You've been on this journey like very seriously over the last couple of years. Um, there was a transition point for you too, where um, I think for all of us, right. There's a point where, you know, it's a cool thing that I'm doing and I'm really interested in all that. And then there's a um, switch that gets flipped and you realize, shit, there's, there's some things I need to take control of and, you know, get things happening. So anything you want to throw on top of that before we wrap this up? Uh, Just the one thing
1: I thought of uh, is it's we're calling this the, uh, you know, for for solo training students and distance training students. But at the same time, uh, I think it's entirely applicable to anybody, even if you have a dojo training. Absolutely. Uh, I follow, you know, I'm at a dojo at least twice a week, every week. And, you know, this, this is all stuff that, you know, I work in myself, even though. You know I'm in class and everything. And it's still,
0: you still been, very applicable. You're You're not working for me full time yet, so you you got a job, you got a family, you're filling in holes that large space creatures are eating in your in your yard. <laughs> no, anyway, <laughs> like maintenance and all that kind of stuff, right? And remind everybody how far you drive for class one way.
1: It's right about an hour, give or take.
0: National statistics show that most people won't travel more than 12 and a half minutes.
1: See, I make use to that time for, you know, coaching calls. Usually the Tuesday coaching calls over are being done while I'm in class. And you, if it's done by then, so I,
0: home. It, yeah,
1: is the recording because class was that class is over. But I listen to the coaching call on the way home from class. Yes. You know, in another class, usually the next class I make the drive, I'll catch the Friday one or I'll catch, you know, I replay a lot of these. You know, I have a lot of access to this stuff, but even I go back through it, take notes, re-listen to things, re-go through courses. And I just use the drive time for a lot of that. You know, it makes double use of the time.
0: Students are often surprised. They'll see me with one of these older older books by Hatsumi Sensei or whatever and they'll go, what you cited from that in a previous class, I assumed you already read it. I did. I can't tell you what number this rereading is, but I'm at a different stage. Mm. What looks different, what's coming out different, you know, differently um, at this point, right? So, um, you know, way too many people, especially at my level, way too many people rest on their laurels. You know, assumption that they made it shit. There's more than enough stuff in this art to keep you you'll, you'll die without learning at all. <laughs> anyway. All right. So hopefully this was valuable to everybody or at least a couple of you. Right. Um, we're going to be modifying some of these things uh, on YouTube, not modifying them, but, but uh, cutting off the intros and those kind of things so that you, um, People, people who don't know what Kuden podcast is, that means nothing to anybody. So you may see same things, you may hop on one, or if you're on YouTube, uh, click on something. Well, that's a cool title, you know, whatever, right? How to set up a home dojo, whatever, right? Click on it, and you, well, shit, that that was a previous Kuden, but it doesn't say anything about Kuden and all that. Yeah, because Kuden only means something to you guys. Right. So it doesn't mean anything to people who don't know anything about it. So we need to adapt the format to, you know, make stuff available to, to other folks as well. So anyway, um, anything else, James? I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up if there is not. No, sir. Okay. Cool. So, uh, don't forget, uh, fall camp it's coming up, uh, September 30th, October 1st and 2nd. There will be a virtual option. Uh, the theme for this one is, Translating the uh, ancient Nijino Hachimon into the 21st century, not changing principles and concepts, one iota, right? But um, there's certain things that people need to get and understand and whatnot. So that weekend, I got a couple of guest instructors uh, just waiting for lessons to come in. I had an extra one, and they didn't realize that they double booked themselves. Um, and needed to be in a different place on the planet <laughs> that same weekend. So, um, yeah, that one's not going to work out. So, um, but anyway, um, hope, you know, hopefully you can make it for at least part of it, right? Um, Carl's in a top tier level in my distance training program. So whether he makes it or not, he'll get the recordings for everything as all those guys do. So, um, lots of extra benefits, right? Carl, thanks for making it. I really appreciate it. I know your life is busy and, um you've got all these other things going on at the time doesn't always doesn't doesn't usually work out so thanks for making it and contributing to things I really really appreciate it James thanks you too I you know I'm for whatever small part you play <laughs> there were a couple of things that I forgot in setting this thing up and I signed in thinking oh my god did I and when I signed in he had already taken care of it because you know he respects his elders all right that's it um i will james what's today today's monday i'll see you in class tomorrow yeah yes okay yeah awesome okay uh and i will talk to everybody again next time i hope good night everyone